Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest was invited primarily because of his expertise, including his own personal participation in the Duke Carolina basketball rivalry. You've heard him on Westwood One and for CBS Sports. Nowadays, he is part of the Philadelphia 76ers NBA broadcasts on the TV side. And since he's based in Philadelphia, of course, I have to ask Allah Abdel Nabi as we welcome him back to the David Glenn Show. How is the parade going in the city of brotherly love? Because some of my fellow Philadelphians really don't know how to party without being idiots at some point along the way. Very mild, very, very controlled, very well behaved. None of that applies, right? Never, right? Usually not. It's always the, it's always the ten percent, Allah, giving us in the ninety percent a bad name. Well, let me start off by saying good to be with you, DG. Yes, sir. Um, listen, they are allowed to act up a little bit. Once in a lifetime thing kind of um, gets a hold of you, and to see their reaction. I mean, yeah, would. Would you and I do some of that stuff? Probably not. But the mob mentality rules at times, and uh, you don't make a lot of sense. But you can see, um, and I heard you were at the Super Bowl with your son yes. as well, the passion that's there, David. The fact that I, I, I cover the Sixers, so I know how much love they have for them. The Flyers and the Phillies, they have love for them. But the Eagles are a whole nother thing. And so for them to win, uh, to have the kind of season they've had, as an outsider, as a yeah. Giants fan, I can be happy for them because I've become part of the Philadelphia fabric, too, and those fans are the same people. So I see uh, their joy, and I'm happy for them. That's a great perspective because you know, I'm in the middle of the forest and can't always see the trees given my roots. It is interesting, although you grew up in Jersey, you come from that Giants perspective. Uh, appreciate that perspective as the Eagles parade apparently has made its way through the five-mile route. They're at the Rocky Steps, and they are uh, one by one thanking the assembled fans and turning the page on that big celebration. All right, true or false, since you played in the Duke-Carolina rivalry, although for the most part – Coaches and players respect each other, even as many fans hate each other. Isn't it true that when you were there in the late 1980s, there were at least some players who truly disliked each other and weren't, you know, going to the same parties and the same barbers off the court? Well, I mean, I definitely think that you had um, your hardcore dudes, uh, your dudes that may have, let's say players that may have not come from the national background. In other words, what I mean by that is, I knew Rick Fox, I knew Scott Williams, I knew J.R. Reed well before I went to Duke and they went to Carolina. And I think that you get the majority of the players there. And what I'm referring to is whether you're a McDonald's All-American or you're going to the basketball camps, or if you're at a higher level, chances are your paths cross. Yeah. So it's hard to have animosity for guys just because all of a sudden you've decided to put on a different shade of blue, especially since you've built relationships with him. Rick Fox was on my five-star basketball team mm. for a week. So uh, it's hard for me all of a sudden to forget that and to break those bonds. Um, I, re I think I may have even told you this story. We were at the South Square Mall with my mom, and Rick came up to me and spoke to me. And when I turned around and looked at my mom, she had this wide-open look on her face. And I said, what? What's wrong? And she said, you're not supposed to talk to him. <laughs> but because she thought it, it, it carried over 24 hours a day. But that being said, we had guys that um, when we'd venture over to Chapel Hill, because I was one of those guys that would go over, I never had any issues being there, by the way. Um, 
but some guys just wouldn't go. Some guys <laughs> would refuse to go. And those are the guys that I think you're referring to. But I don't know if it was the majority back then. It was a different time. Social media wasn't yeah. there. I think if someone were to whip out a phone and start filming me at He's Not Here or Four Corners, <laughs> that might deter me from going there uh, as often as I did. But to be honest with you, David, I had a lot of good times in Chapel Hill during the season and um, in the summertime. Ala Abdelnabi is joining us. He's a fun follow on Twitter. He's at Ala Tweets. Veteran listeners know how to spell his name. And how could you forget <laughs> he had the unforgettable line, the only way I could make five A's while at Duke is by spelling my name. It's at A-L-A-A Tweets, at Ala Tweets on Twitter. He goes way beyond basketball there at times, and we like that about him. How much of these teams do you see as a guy paid to cover the end NBA and whatever that level of expertise might be, what do you see as, as a key to this matchup tonight in Chapel Hill? Well, I think the first thing, uh, I do get to watch them. Unfortunately, I don't get to watch them live because the schedule is out of my yeah. control. But thank goodness for DVRs. When I come back, it's one of the things that I watch um, when I get a chance because um, I do like to keep up with them and I do want to see their progress. Um, it's troubling. Uh, from a Duke perspective, because their progress hasn't been what you'd like or what, I guess, Duke observers have been used to defensively. Um, you're just not used to seeing a Duke team give up that many layups at the rim. Um, I kind of thought when this team was going to employ some bigger guys that at least we'd be um, protecting the lane, protecting the rim. But I'm not just putting it on them. Perimeter defense isn't what we're accustomed to as well. So I think when you ask me what I'm looking for tonight, I'm looking for Duke defense and see whether or not that shows up. Ala Abdelnabi joining us on the David Glenn Show. As you think back to your time in uniform in the late 80s, uh, Ala All-ACC for the Devils in 1990 in a first-round NBA draft pick that same year, would you say that Coach K was just himself on game day and leading up to the tip? Or could you sense something different from even your own coach? Because I know on campus, I mean, you must have just been mauled by professors and fellow students and strangers uh, when the Duke Carolina game rolled around. Well, I'll tell you what, David, he would actually take the exact opposite approach and try to calm us down because he knew that was the one game on the calendar, or let's say two games, home and away, where you didn't have to worry about us getting up. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about us being mentally prepared or. Uh, being distracted about something else, worried about the game that's next. That was never the case. So for us, if anything, it was him just trying to be extra normal and normal in a calm manner because what he wanted us to do, and I remember a lot of those games for some reason would be at 9 o'clock. So you yeah. have to wait yeah. around all day. He didn't want you to, to, to be spent. He didn't want you to, to cash in a lot of emotional energy. Um, and I don't know if your listeners can, can relate to that, but when you're, you know, you, when you're worked up, that takes a lot of energy. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to be running up and down the floor to be exhausted. So I think that's the thing um, that he would, he would try to get across to us. Was it just an average game? Yes, ultimately it was. But instead of trying to get up for East Carolina in the preseason, um, which is something that he would try to do. Now he's trying to bring, bring us down for North Carolina. We've asked this of all of the guests who have actually played in this rivalry. Would you know off the top of your head your head-to-head -head record against the Tar Heels? 
I know that it was a losing record. <laughs> I know, I know, I know that in my four years they beat us more than we beat them. Um, I do remember sweeping them my sophomore year and winning the ACC tournament. But I also remember, uh, perhaps even more, losing the next year in the '89 finals in probably the most physical game I ever played in. That one, for some reason, sticks out even more than beating him in 88 in Greensboro. Would that physicality be the best symbol for the intensity of Duke rivalry? Is, is there something else, the way the fans are, the way the refs are, the way the media buildup is? You know, what all goes into that mix to explain the special nature of this? <laughs> well, I, I hate to focus on me because it's not that. I think the picture sums up um, that 89 finals on the inside cover, there was a Sports Illustrated full-page picture of me, and, and the picture has blood on the uniform. Yeah. I've got my fingers all wrapped up because they've been jammed, and underneath my chin I've got a couple butterflies that the blood came from. And I think that was in the first half. So <laughs> that, was indicative, that was indicative of how that game went. Um, but you know what? That's what you play for. That's yeah. why you go to a program like Duke of Carolina. It's because you want to play in games where a lot of people are watching. It's crazy. I got to run. But Eric Montross was one of our guests earlier this week. And there's that famous shot of him with the blood streaming down, you know, one of his sure. cheeks. And he says even with those photos, he can't convince his own children of how tough a guy he really was back then. <laughs> But did did you hear, I only have like 30 seconds, but isn't it just upside down hilarious that Tyler Hansbro and Gerald Henderson, famous for bloody reasons, now have a podcast together. Did you hear that? Listen, life life is funny, isn't it? Life is funny. But I tell you what, I bet you it makes, I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, I bet you it makes for good listening that get you but both of those guys got some pretty cool stories it definitely does now listen just because i'm tapping your brain on parades and college basketball it does not mean i have given up on you as the ultimate humanitarian who is bringing all people of all faiths and backgrounds together as one at some point in the future don't die on me allah i have never, not given never, up brother. on that dream Never, brother. Listen, I've got love for everybody. And the problem is we need to reciprocate. We do. We do. I'm telling you, he's part Thanks, of the solution. Good to talk to you, Thanks, man. Say hi to the wife. Always, At, brother. <laughs> Always.